Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Meckie Lozano. Betty Hissong joins us on the podcast today. She has been a Montessori teacher, having started the second Montessori school in the United States in the mid-1960s, a Montessori teacher trainer, a Good Shepherd catechist, and a formation leader for more than 40 years. She is in Cleveland, Ohio. Now at almost 95 years old, she may be the oldest catechesis of the Good Shepherd catechist and formation leader. Today, she will share some of her stories about her early years in catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I hope you enjoy. Betty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you and your son on the episode to share your story and how you have been working with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd for such a long time. I can't wait to hear all the, all of it. Tell us about who you are. <laughs> My name is Betty Hissong, baptized Elizabeth, but everybody calls me Betty. Uh, it's hard to say exactly when. I don't remember the name of the country, but long time ago, there was some country in Europe, a small, I think it was a Scandinavian country, that had a catechetical center. And at this point, I can't remember whether it was uh, Maria Montessori herself or an article about Montessori, in which she stated the, the crowning glory of her work was a religious education of the children. And I knew probably about every Montessori teacher there was at that time in the United States and many all over the world. And I thought to myself, nobody, nobody in any training program is doing anything about this. You know, there's something wrong. We're not doing anything. And this was before I knew anything about Sofia Cavalletti. <laughs> but uh, Maria Montessori did a little bit of stuff, but uh, it was really Mon uh, Sofia Cavalletti who did something that was Montessori based, but also, you know, her own insights into what the children are like and their relationship with God. I uh, remember. Uh, trying to find out something more about Sofia Cavalletti because some place along the line, I had heard that it was Sofia who had really accomplished what Maria Montessori wanted done in her classrooms. Um, I'm going to interject so people know who I am. Okay. My name's John Hissong. I'm my mother's eldest son. I've been schlepping... Montessori equipment and Good Shepherd equipment in boxes all over the country for my mother uh, for uh, most of my, at least since I've been a teenager. And uh, I've sat through dozens, probably about 30 different training programs that my mother gave. Uh, my mother's nearly 95 right now as we're doing this. Well, thank you, John. We really appreciate you being here with us. So, Betty, when did you hear about Sophia and her work? I'm not absolutely positive where I first heard about it. Uh, I, I remember that 
I when I did her hear about her, I, it must have been an article that I read someplace, you know, in some kind of catechetical journal or something. Uh, but I remember writing to her. And this is yeah. before she came for the first time oh, yes, yes. to the United States in yes. 1975. And uh, she, she graciously wrote me a letter back and suggested that I contact uh, Patricia Coulter, whom I had just happened to have met in an airplane. Where we were both coming back from a Montessori seminar. And uh, so I contacted Patricia and uh, invited her to come and give a, I don't know what you would call it, just a, a week's, it wasn't a training program. It was just information about Sophia's work. She had been in Rome herself and had received the training from Sophia Cavalletti. And uh, we, we were doing it in uh, one of the dormitories at John Carroll University. <laughs> but uh, we had a wonderful time and great, you know, learned a lot, but it was not a real training program. It was just people that were interested in some, a number of my parents in my class in my Montessori school uh, came and uh, she did a great job. And uh, that was sort of like the first time we had any kind of real uh, information about Sophia Cavalletti was what I got from Patricia that that time in Cleveland. Mama, how did you get started in Montessori? I'm, I'm referring to uh, your experience, your first great pioneering experience when you were a collegiate. Mother was uh, born... Uh, in 1927, so she grew up in the Depression, and she was in college during World War II. And I was attending a girls' college here in Cleveland called Earthland College. And when the boys started coming back, there was a Jesuit at John Carroll who decided to try to influence these guys into some spirituality. It's a little more complicated. <laughs> Oh. My, my, the, the man who ultimately became my father was oh. a returning GI. GI. You may have heard of what's now called Christian Life Communities. It was called the Sodality Carry. And it, the Sodality was originally the third order for Jesuits, where lay men and women would try to live out as best they could in their state of life the spirituality of the founder of the order, in this case, the Jesuits. Mm -hmm. And mother and my father were among the very first group of 10 laymen and women to make the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius the way the Jesuits did every year. Every Jesuit has to make the exercises in an eight-day form every year. Mm -hmm. They were the first group of laymen to do that since the 1770s. Wow. I mean, it was like 200 year, you know, or, you know, almost not quite 200 year gap. This is like in 1952 or so. Yeah. But that, that process there, when mother was the first group, created a cadre of young men and women 
and many of them married one another, including my parents. I I, I literally owe my existence <laughs> to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, <laughs> uh, um, who were on fire for the gospel, for our Lord, for... And one of the things, Ignatius, if you've made the exercises, uh, you know, you... you, you, you he wants you to make some concrete decision about the the um, the election, about some kind of good that you're going to do, you know, some concrete thing. And this group got together, and what was what was the thing that they decided to do, Mama? I thought you were going to talk about how your dad. Oh, invited me to join hands with him in marriage. Well, you can talk about that too. That, that, that's, that's an indirect uh, link to... Uh... He said, do you want to hear what my election was? And of course, I was sure that it was going to be to join the Jesuits or to marry one of my other friends that he dated. And uh, instead he said, well, I made the election that we might consider whether or not God wants us to get married yeah. and I, I by that time I was practically out of the car <laughs> door because I, I was so scared that he was going to tell me he was going to join the Jesuits but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh, there was a magazine called Jubilee at that time and um, Nancy Rambush who was the one that really brought Montessori back to the United States. Well, she uh, she had gone with her husband to Europe. To he was an architect, a uh, liturgical architect, and he had gone there to study and look at many of the uh, beautiful cathedrals that were there in Rome. And while she was there, she ran into a woman who was a Montessori teacher and eventually took the training there and brought it back to the United States. Well, she wrote an article in Jubilee that uh, explained what Montessori was. And uh, we, we kind of figured out, well, this is really what we would like for our children. <laughs> and so we opened up, what was it then, the second Montessori school in the United States. Wow. And it was, it was not just this is a nice thing to do. This was prayer and discernment. This group of Ignatian-oriented, on fire, you know, not only this is something good for us, this is something that would be good to do as an apostolate for the for the whole society. And, they, and my we... mother's first pioneer moment, being the first, one of the first laymen, laywomen to make the exercises, led to the second thing, the second pioneer moment where she uh, helped found the second Montessori school in, in the United States. In and of course, we were cons we were really wanted to make sure that it had uh, religious formation for our children. And so I started working on things that I thought might be consistent with Montessori principles and the spiritual exercises, and so I started making stuff. And when I first heard about Sofia Cavaletti, my reaction was, "Oh, I've done everything wrong." Yeah. But later, <laughs> later on, I realized that there were some elements of it that were 
and consistent we're consistent with what Sophia wanted so uh, I wasn't that far off <laughs> yeah the, so mother mother was kind of trying to do what Sophia was already doing mm-hmm. in a different way mm-hmm. and with less insight I think sorry yeah. mama <laughs> uh, and uh, but, well Sophia herself what really wasn't involved in you know children yeah. in fact one of the stories that first stories I remember about Sophia was uh, that somebody had asked her if she would prepare a boy for first communion and her reaction was I don't know anything about children you know <laughs> theologians used to teach at the university and they said well that's okay we know someone that yeah. knows a lot about children, and it happened to be John Agobi, who was a Montessori teacher and actually a relative of, of Sophia Calvin. The second cousin of Maria Montessori. But, uh, sorry, herself. And that was, at the beginning, I think, a, a wonderful relationship. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your Montessori work. You were very, very involved in early Montessori also Yeah. in this country. Uh, at one point, you knew every Montessori teacher in the entire United States. Yeah. And you, you also trained hundreds of Montessori educators. Yeah. And you were a, you were a, um, a certifier. I don't know exactly what the tra- title was. Uh, but the American Montessori Society had um, a, a group of us who used to go to different Montessori schools and see if they were really doing what they were supposed to be doing and certified them. And actually, (laughs) it was one of these trips where I met uh, Anna Guida's cousin, who was also a Montessori teacher. She was teaching in Philadelphia. We had, uh, there was a Montessori seminar in Minneapolis. And I deliberately went to it because Sophia Cavaletti was going to speak at it. And uh, on the way to Mass that morning, I, uh, Anna was on her way to Mass also, and so we started our conversation. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, she told she, she, the fact that I knew her cousin, we became friends. That was in 1975. I remember very vividly because that was the first time that I ever had met Sophia in person and uh, at, at that particular Montessori thing. And Anna Mae told me at that time that, that, that Sophia was going to be giving a course in Minneapolis after the Montessori seminar was It was over. the first course Sophia gave in, in, in the United, United States, States in 1975. And I almost cried. I really almost cried because I had not heard anything about that. And I had four kids at that time. They weren't real were little at that time. I think the youngest one, the oldest one, was probably 12 or She's something. me. Yeah. And there was no way that I could have stayed there without having had some preparation and, you know, being able to take care of my kids and stuff. So I had heard, though, that she was going to come back again the next year. And so I was planning way ahead to make sure that I was going to be able to go there to get her training. 
but turned out that, I don't know, somebody got sick and it might have been Maria Sophia herself, but she did not give that course. Instead, Lil Lewis, Lewis gave it gave, yeah. gave it in um, Chicago. And I was not quite, quite sure I should really take that course from Lil because I had visited Lil since I had heard she had done something with um, uh, Sophia's material. And in, in, in actually it was the the community that Tina Lillig belonged to. The, uh, the talk with Oh yeah, Lil, with Lil, 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 Lil Lewis, because I had gone to see Lil Lewis before and she showed me the uh, garments of the priest, which was very lovely you know, a good exercise, but my reaction was this can't be the heart of the matter. You know, this isn't just, you know, the externals. And uh, so I was not sure, quite sure I should go to, to, to Lil, but I did. My family finally talked me into it and, and I, I went. Yeah. And uh, it was a good experience for me. But when Sophia came later on, uh, to the United States, I of course was going to make sure I got it, got to her course. And one of the questions they asked was, uh, "Why are you, you know, why are you taking this course?" And I had told them I took it from Lilith, Lil, but I wanted to know, I wanted to get it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> First thing that you know, Sophia used to call everybody in at least once for a kind of a conversation with every person that was in her course. And when I when I came to her, when she invited me in, one of the first questions she asked me is, what's this horse's mouth? <laughs> well, in Chicago, they, they were, the Episcopalians were very interested in, in the, 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 the good bishop teams. there. Yeah. Right Reverend Francis T. Griswold III, who was the Episcopal Bishop of Chicago, was extremely interested and supportive of the Good Shepherd Catechesis. And it's one of the reasons the first office for the CGS was in Chicago. I mean, part of it was Tina Lillig, but it was a lot of it had to do with, uh, with the bishop there, the yeah. Episcopal bishop. In fact, and, they, they gave her an office in one of their yeah. Episcopal churches there in Chicago, out of which she worked for a long time. You know, a little aside, uh, it's very clear that the Episcopalians saved the Good Shepherd Catechesis in the United States. There was a, a, a fairly long period where there was relatively little interest from Catholics. And Sophia is not an indifferentist. You know, she's well aware of the differences and very, very grateful to the Episcopalian. Great gifts they gave the um, catechesis. And it's one reason why I think she'd be very grateful to say that there's such a close collaboration between Sophia was a professor at the University of Rome uh, in the Sapi La Sapienza, which means the wisdom. And she says, everybody calls it in Rome. It's the papal university. 
her field was comparative liturgy, and she worked at the Jewish roots of Christian liturgy. It was her research field. And she was very active in Christian and Jewish relationships, too. Mm -hmm. Just one one way she met John Paul. Uh, He asked her, he put her on the commission for, I forget the exact title, Jewish-Christian Dialogue in Rome. And he, he, of course, he himself was very, very interested. He grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in Krakow, I think. And one of his closest friends was a Jewish boy we invited to his uh, inauguration. One of her mentor, I guess, and I think her doctoral advisor, was a very famous Jewish rabbi mm-hmm. named Zoli. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Zoli was the chief rabbi, uh, and he was so impressed with the tremendous efforts that the popes, uh, uh, Pius Twelfth and others, took to save, to, to, to try to protect the Jews in Rome, that afterwards he converted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's in his book, Before the Dawn. It's really beautiful. He was her her mentor. So uh, I said, you know, she she was my mentor, but mm-hmm. she really ultimately became one of my closest friends. Mm. And that it's it's such a great honor to know that you know she and I were, liked each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and everybody knows about Sophia and Jana. But there were two other people who were very, very important in the catechesis. First is Tilda Cochini. Yeah. Now she was a, a parent of some of the early children in the Good Shepherd. And she was an art, a lot, Sophia was a PhD, and a lot of her friends were professionals. And Tilda was an art historian in Rome. And she became also one of Sophia's great supporters. And, and then the other one was Silvana Montanaro. Mm-hmm. It was for many, many years, it was really like, everybody, everybody talks about Sophia and Jana, but it was really like the big four of them. But they were really the prime movers of the Good Shepherd. Mother, uh, what do you think is the most important thing to advice you have for any catechist? No, I think that many times we hover over our notes and our albums in order to prepare for a class. And yet I'm absolutely convinced that the best thing we could do is would be before we enter into our atriums is to actually pray mm. and to 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 go over what we're going to handle that day. I mean, to make that the subject of our prayer so that God can be working through us rather than we mm-hmm. the ones that are giving this to the kids. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful advice. Invite the Holy Spirit into the space so he really is the teacher. Well, thank you so much, Betty and John. This has been so fun to hear all the stories of Olin, how Good Shepherd kind of moved in in America and all over the world. It's, 
I always find all of these stories really fascinating. And it makes me really grateful for people like you and all the amazing men and women before me who have taken so much of their life to make it what it is. And I just want to really thank you for sharing these stories, but also thank you for your life work, both of you. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. On Tuesday, April 19th, we have a spring catechist study day coming up. Gather with fellow catechists to explore the presentations of the empty tomb, the resurrection narratives, and the Pentecost celebration. We will also discuss some practical end-of-the-year procedures. Join us on Zoom on Tuesday, April 19th from 7 to 9 Eastern Time as we enter into the joy of the resurrection. This Formation Day is designed for those members of CGS USA who have completed a CGS USA sponsored catechist formation, at least level one formation, or you are currently participating in a CGS USA sponsored formation course. Space is limited, so go to our show notes to check out the link to register. So CGS USA has vendor organization members. These are organizations, companies, or individuals who create and sell goods that support catechists in preparing the atrium materials for children. They go through an approval process and are formally recognized as vendors that our members can trust. Materials offered for sale by a vendor member must follow the guidelines for materials identified by the International Council, the Concilio. They also follow the guidelines of the characteristics of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, and they must sell products that are safe under the regulations of the United States Consumer Product Safety Commission. Vendor members of CGS USA are an important part of our CGS USA members' ministry with children. CGS USA strives to build connections between our catechist members and our vendor members. We are really grateful to the catechist husband, a benefactor vendor member, for all the help and support that they have shared with us over the years. The catechist husband would like to remind you that it's not too late to order your Easter materials. We have cities, tombs, and cynicals in stock and ready to ship. You could go to our show notes for a link to his website. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd or to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening this week. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.